I don't know most of you. I called uh, Brother Earl, Brother John, when I stepped in, so that shows how well I know him. But I am from the Layman Street Congregation. Layman Street Congregation, just to maybe uh, add a little clarity to the confusion, meets at the Fairview Reception Center, which is on Jackson Road. But we did just buy a building over on King Street in Myerstown, and we were going to build a building there or actually renovate it into a church. And we recently found that it's probably not going to work. So now we're looking at other roads yet as far as a place where we can actually have our uh, church building. So we, we call ourselves Layman Street Mennonite Church. We're over on Jackson Road, but we do own a building on King Street. So one of our brothers recently said we should have just called our church No Abiding City Mennonite Church. <laughs> and that probably would have been fitting as well. But we're thankful to have a church to go to. This morning, our daughter, oldest daughter, who lives in Ontario, is uh, in a little different situation than what we have here. You're all sitting here. You're um, not peeking out the windows. They've been trying to meet quietly, carefully here and there, and they're not supposed to be meeting. They keep all the blinds closed. And then the neighbors reported them, and so they decided to carpool. And then a neighbor still found out that's what they were doing. And so this morning... They're meeting in a woods. Does that sound like Zurich, Switzerland in 1527 or something like that? But anyhow, that's what they're doing this morning. We're just glad we can meet, even though we're, uh, our, our congregation is right now kind of fluctuating around between buildings. <clears throat> but you're welcome to come visit us. Lord willing, you would find us there on a Sunday morning at the Fairview Reception Center. Mother's Day. So, first of all, some of you said Happy Mother's Day. We will wish the mothers Happy Mother's Day. When Earl invited me to come, he kind of like hinted maybe Mother's Day would be a good day for you to come. And I know the feeling. It's never so nice to preach to mothers that you know well and who know you well. And so I have a bit of an advantage here this morning that we, I can preach to a group of mothers that I don't really know. However... I kind of expected that I'm coming to speak to a group of mothers who are perfect, perfect mothers. Um, So I thought maybe just to see if my expectations were right, how many mothers actually are here this morning? Would you mind raising your hands? I didn't say perfect, just mothers. (laughs) Okay, so maybe I think I counted roughly about 25. So how many of you would say you are a perfect mother? Okay, I, I was thinking maybe, uh, see, our brother just talked about one in a thousand as a ratio God loves, but we, I don't even know that we had that over here. I didn't see a single hand go up to say that they feel they are a perfect mother. My goal this morning, my goal this morning is that before we leave here, I would like our mothers to know that you are perfect in the way God created you. Now, here we live in America. We live in a time when um, there's a lot of pressures on people, not just mothers, but because of the way our society has evolved. And yes, I think we can use that term evolved. We've actually become a group of people who are very, very pressured, a lot of tension, a lot of stresses. 
And mothers are no exception to that. Mothers have a lot of pressure on them. And uh, I don't think we can quite understand that concept, how our society has actually changed in the last, I'm going to say, 20 years. 20 years ago, we didn't have WhatsApp and Facebook and all the social media that we have today that creates a lot of pressure. They didn't have Pinterest back then. And if you don't have it today, God bless you in that. You're a smart, wise person to not have it. But I want to say this, that has created a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to keep up with the Joneses. And so we have mothers who are under a lot of pressure to be this perfect mom. All right? Partly because on social media, your friends look so perfect. And then you compare that to your reality that you're living in, and it's like, I don't even come close. Just to give a little bit of a thought on the pressures mothers face, I found a poem written by May Patterson. I guess it's a poem that I thought I'm going to take a moment to read here. And it's entitled, God Made a Mother. At the dawn of time, God needed someone he could trust to love his precious children. And so, God made a mother. He said, life will often be harsh. I need someone with a gentle touch, someone who can brush a tear from the downy cheek of a newborn Engage a child's temperature without the aid of a thermometer. I need someone who has a special knack for soothing, who can kiss away pain and soften blows. Someone who will hold her child's hand firmly until she has to release it tearfully on the first day of school. And so, God made a mother. God said, I need someone who will care enough to gather daffodils and put them in a vase so everyone in the house can enjoy the first blooms of spring. Someone who will care enough to rummage through the mismatched sock pile in hopes of finding a match. Someone who will make extra, who will make birthdays extra special, sing silly songs with their toddlers in the car, and who actually wants to go on a school field trip to the insect museum just to be close to her child. I'll make someone who can gather a chaotic, busy family around the dinner table for chicken soup, cornbread, and sharing life together. Someone who will organize play dates, piano lessons, and the pantry. I need someone who will find the lost baseball glove, dad's keys, and her little girl's favorite stuff bunny. I need someone who can unload the dishwasher, pack lunches, call out spelling words, and make coffee while bouncing a baby on her hip. Someone who will carry an amazing array of toys, snacks, and essentials in her heavy purse. Did you ever see what all was in a mother's purse? I'm, I'm amazed. I, I think sometimes my wife could basically uh, make a whole meal out of that purse. It's amazing what's in there. But carry all these essentials around in a heavy purse and never complain. I need someone to help with endless school projects and say, I'm so proud of you even when her child fails. It must be someone, this is still God speaking, who is willing to keep going even when she thinks she has no strength left. Someone who will strive to love her children and to love their father even more. I need someone who's willing to work the second shift or take the second best or play second fiddle so her family will have it better than she did. And so, God made a mother. And one more verse to this poem yet. I need someone who believes, someone who will trust that I have a good plan for her and for her children, even when she can't see it. Someone who will pray for her family daily, for sadly, few people will. 
I need someone who will share my words and encourage her children to believe in me because I am the source of life. God said, I'll place a second pair of eyes in the back of a mother's head, give her bionic ears, and grant her a generous portion of laughter and tears for she's going to need them. Sometimes she'll feel like she doesn't have what it takes. There will be days when she is overcome with worry, pain, and failure, but when the need arises, she'll be there. And while motherhood will be difficult, she'll come to embrace it with all her heart. Yes, God said, this is exactly what I need. To put it simply, hmm, I need someone who will love my children, well, kind of just like I do, God laughed. So, I'll give each mother a heart the size of Texas, and if she'll let me, I'll fill it with my special forever kind of love, a love that resembles my own. Once I put a precious baby in her arms, she will never be the same. One day her children will grow up and move on, but she never will. You never move on when those babies do. You still are hanging on to them. I know that. As long as she lives, she will fight for her children, pray for them, and sacrifice for them. And so, God made a mother. Isn't that amazing? Well, I talked about the thought of mothers being perfect. And this morning, I would like to encourage you, mothers, that the way God made you is perfect. The instincts he gave you has made you into a perfect being to carry out the goal for why you were why you were created. And I'm going to try to explain that. It's a goal in my message. I want you to come away this afternoon, or I guess this morning here, yeah, and say, I am perfect in how God created me. When God made the first man, he took a look at that man and he said, I don't think it's good for him to be alone. What did he mean by that? What did he mean by that? Did he simply think that man would be lonely? So it's not good to be alone. Did he know or see that man was going to have so many flat spots that he needed some rounding out? Okay. Or was there something more? And I would like to suggest that there was something more. Consider this. For what purpose did God create anything? Whether it's a tree, a star, blade of grass, an amoeba, a man or a woman. For what purpose did God create anything? I would like to suggest that one of the most important purposes that anything was created was to reveal himself to those who will seek him. If you go out and look at a tree and start to study a tree and how a tree grows and all the beautiful, intricate parts of a seed and becoming a beautiful tree, you can't help but learn something about God. It's just the way it is. You go out and study the stars and start to look up at those stars you're going to learn something about God. You can't hardly get around from it. 
People try to study nature and they try to come up with other explanations so they don't have to recognize God. Creation is there to reveal something about God. There's verses that talk about it. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Right? Any of you children love studying the stars? They show the greatness of God. Think about this verse in Romans 1.20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That's a little wordy. But it's saying this. There's things about God that are invisible. You can't really see them. But he's saying, you know what? They're clearly seen. Romans 1.20. Being understood by the things that are made. God created things and people, beings, to reveal something about himself to those who will seek. And I would like to suggest that man and woman is no exception. God created man and woman so that when we study man and woman, we learn something about God. After all, weren't we created in the image of God? Shouldn't we be saying something about God? And so, even though we often think about God in masculine terms, don't we say, our Father which art in heaven? We talk about the King of kings. Even though we think of God in masculine terms, God is neither male nor female. God is neither male nor female. And in fact, scriptures use language of motherhood at times to describe God. Just listen to these verses, Isaiah 46, 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been sustained from the womb and carried along since birth. The language of motherhood there in describing God. Here's another one. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, she may forget, but yet will I not forget thee. And then here's another one. This one here is interesting. This is Isaiah 66. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her, it was Israel, like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye, then you shall feed on her side, shall you be carried, God, doesn't sound like a mother, and be dandled, I guess that's like bounced on her knees, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And so... I believe when God looked at man and said, you know what, it's not good for him to be alone. Part of what was going through God's mind when he said that was, I need to create something that will more clearly represent what I am like. And so he created a woman. He created a woman. He created a woman to add to and beautify the image of himself If we only had men, if we only had men, I think we would be missing a big part of the picture of God that God wants us to see when we study humanity. Women add a dimension to the image of God. And I want to say this morning that the way God created you women, you are perfectly suited. All right? Perfectly suited to portray Something about God that we men can't very readily do. Just think about these 
qualities that women generally are known for. Think about the woman's ability to comfort a hurting child. I don't know how it is in your home, but if a child gets hurt, who do they normally run to? Do they normally run to dad? Not in our home. When one of our little ones gets hurt, it's mom who they go heading, heading to. Mom have the ability to comfort a hurting child. Think about a mother's attentiveness to the needs of a child. Um, I think about how growing up, we have five daughters, no boys, by the way. So one day my wife said, you know, I think our girls are going to need braces. And I looked at their teeth and I, I could have looked at those teeth for a couple hours and never had a guess that they're going to need braces. But something about a mother's look and eyes, these girls need braces. Well, sure enough, they needed braces. A couple of them did. That's a mother's gift. That's, you're representing something of God in that. That's how God is. He's attended to needs. Um, think about a mother's unconditional love. Did you ever hear the saying, he has a face that only a mother could love? <laughs> Unconditional love. Mothers have that. It's something you have that you can use to represent God. All right? Or protectiveness. Here's another saying. Never get between a mama bear and her cubs. All right? And we know what that means. Mothers, you have a protectiveness with your children that you represent God in. I want to look at a, a story in Matthew 15. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to open it up to, to Matthew 15 where we see the story of a mother whose heart, I think, clearly reflects the heart of God. And we're going to pick out three things, three things in this story that show a mother's heart, the mother's heart in this story. But I think they show more than that. I think they show something to us about God. These are three rather simple things, but I'd like you to pick them out with me. We'll go to Matthew 15, verse 21. You can jump down there to verse 21. And here we have a story of a mother bringing a girl to Jesus. Verse 21 of Matthew 15. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, um, verse 22, and he and behold, a woman of Canaan. And that little detail, when Jesus' Jesus's audience here, those around him, recognized that a woman of Canaan was an ancient, her ancestors were ancient enemies of the Jews. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. This mother's pretty... She's pretty good with her words. And she said, Lord, truth. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee 
even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And I want to read three more verses here yet. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, that they glorified the God of Israel. Three things this woman shows us that I think give us a beautiful picture of God. Beautiful picture of the heart of God and how he deals with with us. And the first one I want to pick out here is her heart of compassion. Now, here she is, her daughter's suffering. And in the face of being despised as a Gentile, she takes this suffering daughter. This is a mother, a mother's heart, a suffering daughter. Do any of you have children that are suffering? You know what it does to your mother's heart. It tears you apart. She takes that little child and she goes for help. But even though that child is suffering, I love the words that she says. She says this. Verse 22. Lord, have mercy on who? Did she say on my child? Have mercy on me. Do you know what compassion is? you know what a gift is you mothers have that shows something about the heart of God? Compassion is when you can identify with the pain, the heartache, the troubles that somebody else is going through. This mother just didn't say, Here's my girl, heal her, do something about her. She said, have mercy on me. Tells me that mother was right there suffering along with her little girl. That's a gift you mothers have. It's harder for us men to do that. You mothers can suffer and feel right along with that hurting person. The beautiful picture of the heart of God. Mothers, I want you to get this. In that very thing, you are able to show us something about the heart of God that we would miss. We would miss if we only had men to look at. Hebrews chapter 4 says this. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. All right? Isaiah 53 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's what mothers do. I just would like to encourage anyone here this morning. If anyone here is going through a tough thing, and guess what? We all are. We all are. We all face some tough things, some to greater extent than others. You don't have to be embarrassed of that. And it's amazing what things are actually tough and what aren't. We had a uh, a dog. You would think, is this actually something tough? We had a pet dog that we got 15 years ago. And that dog was the best dog I ever owned in my life. And I own quite a few dogs. 
And just this past week here, or maybe the week before, I'm getting my... But just very recently, we had to put that dog down. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm, I don't consider myself much of an animal lover, but that was tough. That was tough. But that's nothing compared to some of the tough things that you might be going through. And we have some other things that have been very tough too. We go through tough things, but I want you to understand this. When you look at a mother and see how she cares for her children who are suffering and soothes them and carries a burden, when we see how this lady said, Lord, have mercy on me, God also is feeling the things that you're suffering. He's carrying that on his heart. Does that give you some comfort this morning to think that he actually can be touched with our grief? That's what the verse says. Didn't, we just, didn't I just read that? For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Is that only like some real deep spiritual infirmities that he's touched with? I don't think so. I think it's everything. I believe it's everything. Just like a mother is touched with the hard things that her child is going through. Mothers, you do a good job at that. Showing us the heart of God. Gordon Jensen wrote a hymn, gospel hymn. Probably some of you know it. Often you wonder why. Tears come into your eyes and burdens seem to be so much more than you can bear. But God is standing near. He sees your falling tears. Tears are a language God understands. God sees the tears of a broken-hearted soul. God sees your tears and hears them when they fall. And here's what I wanted. God weeps along with man. And takes him by the hand. Tears are a language God understands. Isn't that beautiful? That's the first thing I wanted to point out that you mothers do so well in showing us the heart of God. The second thing is this. This lady had what I would call discernment. And I think it's a gift that ladies often have that we men don't have as clearly, and we need the ladies to help us in discerning things. And where I get the thought that she had discernment is this. Here she has a child who is having a lot of trouble. And sometimes when things are bothering us, when we're having problems, it's easy to focus on the outward manifestation of that problem. But what does this lady say? She comes to Jesus and says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. And look what she says next. My daughter is a real pain to deal with. Is that what she says? No. She says, My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. She was able to discern that for all the terrible things that this devil was doing to her daughter and manifesting itself in, that the problem wasn't the daughter. The problem was the devil inside that daughter. That daughter had a demon. It was demon-possessed and not her daughter. I can't imagine what kind of problems a demon-possessed daughter would present to a mom. What do you think that child did? But I don't know. I'm sure this daughter had been a major embarrassment to her. How would you like to go shopping to Dutchway with a demon-possessed daughter in tow? What about school? How did she do with her friends? 
I'm sure the mother could have thought, if it weren't for this daughter over here, my life would be so much better. My daughter, this daughter, she's so much trouble to me. And maybe the mother was even tempted to blame herself. I'm getting what I deserve. When I was little, I wasn't who I was supposed to be. And I didn't do this or that right. And God's given me what I deserved. Do moms do that sometimes? Tend to blame ourselves for our daughter or son or whatever it might be. But she's not saying that. She's saying, this is my daughter and she has a deeper problem. It's not just my daughter. She's got a devil inside her. And that takes discernment. This mother can see the underlying issue. She sees that the battle is not between her and her daughter, but rather between her and the forces of evil. I just like to say it goes that way in any problem. Are you facing any problems this morning? Okay, we we all have our problems we just said a little bit ago. So often, and we men especially, we tend to look at the other person, or maybe it's the thing that's manifesting the problem, the thing through which, or the person through whom the symptoms are coming, and we tend to think that our battle is between us and that person, or us and that thing, the tractor that doesn't start maybe. (laughs) All right, we tend to focus on the thing, and we forget that there's often something deeper. I remember hearing of a marriage counselor. And he said this. He gets the couples there sitting on the chairs and they're talking about their problems and their issues that they have with each other. And uh, he's listening and oftentimes it starts to be, you know, well, it's her problem and it's his problem and they're pointing fingers at each other. And they're on the sofa there. And he grabs the pillow there on the sofa and he throws the pillow out into the room. And he said, now, quit looking at each other. That's not where the problem is. The problem is that pillow out there. Now, what's the pillow in your marriage that's causing the problem? And oftentimes, when they can kind of take the other person out of the equation... They say, oh, well, the problem is insecurity about myself. Or, and anyhow, the list goes on and on. And you start to focus out there's a problem. And we men are pretty poor at that. I think the ladies, you ladies, mothers often are very good at discerning what the actual need is. Well, you had to. I mean, when the baby started crying... We men that hold our ears shut, get under the covers deeper. Well, the mother's got to figure out what is the problem. And uh, sometimes dig, sniff, you can usually figure something out. Maybe it's a diaper, maybe it needs fed, something. That's how you are gifted in discerning. I just want to say this, mothers. Because of your ability to discern what the true deeper problem is, you are perfectly suited To show us something about God. Isn't God exactly like that? We come to him with our problems. The things that are bothering us. And we say Lord here it is. I got this problem. And he's. 
goes right down to the very root, puts his finger on it and says, here's actually what's wrong. God is so discerning. He can do that with your problems. He can do that. And so you mothers do a very good job at showing us that gift that God has given you, that ability that God has to go in and, and, and uh, give the exact cure. He knows what the exact cure is because he made us. He made us. He's, he created us. He put us all together. So he can fix us. And I just want to encourage everyone this morning, everyone here, if you're going through a problem, if you have a problem child, problem brother or sister, quit focusing on each other. Throw the pillow out there and say, what is it? What is it? What's the deeper cause? Go a little bit deeper. Because as long as you're focusing on my daughter, who's such an embarrassment, such a problem, you're not probably going to get any help. But when you can go deeper, when you can discern, by the help of the Lord, maybe the help of your wife, sometimes you can get answers. And so women, mothers, Thank you. You very nicely show us the heart of God in that. Now, I have one more thing. We could probably pick out several more, but I'm just going to pick out one more, one more uh, item here that this woman portrayed her heart. And in so doing, I think she taught us something about the heart of God. And it's kind of the, the part that makes this story so amazing. It's kind of like, when I think of this story, it's the first thing I think about. But in reality, it's actually a gift that most mothers have. And that is what amazes me about this woman here, is how patient and persistent she was in this situation. She was patient. We men aren't so good at that. Ladies often are much better, especially mothers. You had to to survive. They're patient, but yet persistent. They don't just give up and say, well, you know what? I guess Johnny's always going to have dirty years. We just have to live with his dirty years. No, they get that washcloth out every day and they keep digging in his ears even though he hates to get his ears washed out. Patient persistence. This lady here was not going to take no for an answer. This lady here refuses to believe that there is not a cure for her daughter. This daughter has a problem, and there's a cure. She's not going to believe anyone. I don't know how many doctors she's visited. I don't know what all books she read. I don't know how much online research she had done. But she was not going to take no for an answer. She was persistent. And she was patient in it, but she was persistent. She knew that she's going to somehow get an answer for her daughter. And here she is. Again, I don't know if she laid awake all night trying to figure this out. Maybe many, many nights she had done that. But here she is, and she has faith that this time, it's going to work. This time, something's going to happen. And it seems that she knew that this was her last resort. She knew that she's standing face-to-face with the one who can actually help her daughter. And she's not going to take no this time. Do you get that feeling as you read it? Jesus is saying, oh, well, you know, the disciples are saying, tell her to go away. And then Jesus is like, well, you know, we don't usually give any food to the dogs, but I, I just want a crumb. She, she's persistent. She's patient in it, but she's persistent. She is 
desperate for help. And it seems that in her heart she is not going to let this opportunity slip by. That's a gift that mothers have. I've seen that so often in mothers. They're patient, but they're persistent. Think about patience. I remember a story of a mother. I was just reminded of it this morning. Little girls, they're not big girls, but they were little girls, maybe two and four. And so they were out playing on a beautiful spring summer day on the patio. And they had flour, baking flour and water. And they were making cakes. And they were mixing flour and water together. So what happens, ladies, when you just mix flour and water together and nothing else? It gets really sticky. It becomes one of the world's best glues. And this got scattered all around the outside of that house and on the patio and up over the steps. And these girls were playing with flour and water as they were baking, little girls. The mother of the house came out, looked at the mess. And you know what she did? She started, I guess she didn't have a pressure washer. It almost would have taken a pressure washer to clean it up. And she started cleaning it up. And she said this, if only this stuff had had yeast in it, we could have made bread. (laughs) Very patient response. I think we men would have, at least I might not have had that in my heart. I want to ask this, ladies. When you're being patient, is your patience based on what this lady's patience was based on? What did the Lord say to her in verse 28? I have it underlined in my Bible. O woman, great is thy faith. This is the only one of two people that Jesus said has great faith. The other one, does anyone know who that was? The centurion, you got it. He said, great is thy faith. One of the most powerful teaching moments, mothers, for your children, is when your children get to see you respond in faith. You can talk all day long about faith. You can read nice stories about faith. And I'm talking to us men too. But if we fly off the handle, if we lose control, if we... Go to pieces when our faith is tested. It doesn't really teach them a lot about faith. But when we calmly respond in faith, or when we're like this mother and we're persistent, we're going to get an answer here. We're not giving up. We're going to, this, something's going to happen here, Lord. I want help. I need help. You can give me help. I'm going to get help for my daughter. That's a powerful teaching moment. And you mothers do very well in that. This mother beautifully, beautifully portrays the heart of God in how he works with us. Did you ever think about that? Again, we said that we men aren't so good and rounded out in these areas. Some men are maybe more persistent than others. But for us, we tend to say, well, it's not working. Forget it. Let's go and do something that works. All right? Not a mother so much. She'll say, you know what? We have to come up with an answer. We're going to get this fixed. It's going to somehow be healed. And that's exactly how God does with us. He doesn't just give up and say, well, you know what? I tried to uh, teach my child 
a little bit about faith or patience or whatever. And he didn't do it. So, okay, next. Where's the next one to work on? That's not how God works, thankfully. Thankfully, he doesn't work that way. But think about this. We come to Jesus with our hearts. Our hearts are all messed up. We have all kinds of pain and suffering. And Jesus very tenderly reaches out and he heals us. Just like a mother's healing touch. And then he doesn't stop there and say, okay, you're healed, go on. But he patiently and persistently perfects us. We call that sanctification. Is that how God is working in your lives? It's like the mother. She keeps washing that little boy's ears out. He don't like to get him washed up, but we're going to get him cleaned up. And it's persistent there every day. Just like you mothers. You show us something about the heart of God. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I'm going to read this little paragraph. It's showing how God persistently, patiently works with us. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come in and live in it himself. Isn't that how God works with us? Patient persistence. Think about this verse here when we think about God and his persistence. Second Peter 3. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now that, we can't even grasp that kind of long-term view. The Lord is not slack, or it means slow, concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, and get this, not willing, just like a mother, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mothers, you do a wonderfully good job in representing the heart of God in that very thing, that patient persistence. You won't give up. You won't give up. And thank you for that. It's a way that we can get a better, more rounded-out vision of God. Well, I think we're going to stop there. I ask if any of you were perfect mothers. And I think we all would be quick to say we're not perfect, even we men. But I want you ladies to remember in your minds that even though you make mistakes, and even though you come short of the glory of God in many ways, and we all do, that God has given you a nature. And he's given you just a way, I'll call it, a way in working with people. And he's given you a heart. We'll call it the heart of a mother. That makes you a perfect being to fulfill the reason you were created. One of the reasons. All right? And one of those reasons is so that when men, when we humans, 
not just saying male, but when we humans look at humanity, we get a better picture of what our Heavenly Father, our God in Heaven, is like. And you mothers very, very, are very, very apt in fulfilling that purpose and rounding out that picture. We men, like I said, will often be lopsided. But you ladies come along and help to round out, especially in those areas, a heart of compassion, a heart of discernment, and a heart of patient persistence. Thank you for that. May God bless you, mothers. You can go out of here knowing that you're perfectly suited for the purpose in which God has created you. I think we'll bow our heads for prayer. Do you want to have a kneeling prayer? or We can kneel for prayer. Our gracious Father in heaven, this morning we come before you. We say thank you, Lord, for being a God who cares about us as humans. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't just create us and then forget about us and leave us to fend for ourselves. But just like a mother, you have shown great compassion, great discernment, great patience and persistence in dealing with us. And Lord, we say thank you for that. Lord, without your help, we are orphans. We're helpless. We can't even take care of ourselves. Lord, we ask that each one of us here would, on a daily basis, realize how badly we need you, just like a little baby needs its mother. Lord, today is Mother's Day, and we are called to think of how much our mothers do for us, the place they fill many things they teach us. And Lord, if there's any mothers here who feel like their life is a total mess, their motherhood is an abject failure, Lord, I just pray that they could somehow be cleared, be cleansed, be healed of those thoughts and be able to see that the way you created them, the heart that you gave them, is perfectly suited to show those around them, and especially their children, what kind of heart you as a father in heaven have. Thank you, Lord, for the mothers here. Lord, I just pray that you would give them a heart of wisdom and give them a heart of compassion where they feel like they're missing it and a heart of discernment where they need that and also patience and persistence where they are needing that. I just pray that each mother would be ready to put her faith in you so that she can have that persistence and knowing that you can answer. Lord, I pray for each of the fathers here, each of the husbands, the men, the young boys, whoever they may be. I pray that each one would be taking their place, their rightful place, and leading out and in giving affirmation to their wife, their mother, and also in uh, being an example of a loving father, as you are to us, for those who are called to be fathers. Lord, I pray too for this congregation. Thank you for it. Thank you that a group of believers can come here and can meet Sunday to Sunday and can worship you. And I just pray that it would be a place that people could be inspired, people could be fed, and that worship could happen. We pray that the that the goals and the vision of this congregation could be realized as they meet to worship you. May it be a place 
where people are drawn closer to you. Thank you, Lord, that you have saved each one of us. You have died for us. You have given us life so that none of us needs to perish. Lord, if there's anybody here who has not found that life, I pray that you would draw them with your heart of love and you would draw them to yourself. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.